Thomas's presents Tackling Traffic with Tom. Good morrow. Tis your reminder to savour the morning with Thomas's breakfast. And while you may not be able to control what occurs on your commute, like your horse and buggy popping a wheel and axle on the way to the schoolhouse, you can control what you put atop your soft but crunchy bagel and the toastiness of your English muffin. So do take the time to savour the morning with Thomas's. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Hi there. Good Thursday morning. We're following breaking news impacting millions of Americans. Major cell phone networks down nationwide. It's February 22nd. This is Today. Breaking overnight, disconnected. Leading cell service providers hit with massive outages from coast to coast. Calls not going through. 911 services impacted. We'll have the very latest. Fallout, mounting questions and confusion over that controversial ruling on frozen embryos. Alabama Supreme Court declaring them children. The state's largest hospital now stopping all IVF treatments. I just want to be a mom. It's wild to me that the state that I've called home has more say over that than I do right now. This morning, the potential impact on millions of women and couples nationwide. Drastic measures, President Biden weighing a major crackdown on illegal border crossings. We're live with details behind the sweeping changes being considered and the reaction on Capitol Hill. One small step, the first U.S. moon landing in more than 50 years, now just hours away. Just ahead, why today's mission is key to returning humans to the surface of the moon. Those stories plus... Play ball. Baseball fans all across the country gearing up for the first game of spring training. We'll take you inside the excitement surrounding the return of America's pastime. And Panda Watch. Good news for fans of the lovable bears. Just months after that emotional farewell at the National Zoo, more of those adorable creatures will soon be back in America. We'll tell you where they're headed today, Thursday, February 22nd, 2024. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Cuppy, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Well, good morning. Good to see you. Happy you're with us on this Thursday morning. And we got some breaking news right at the top, and a lot of Americans are feeling it right now. If you've had some trouble using your cell phone this morning, it's not just you. You're not alone. Yeah, major carriers have been experiencing widespread outages all across the country, though AT&T is the most affected overnight. Users are on social media, and they're saying their cell service was down. They were unable to make or receive calls. Many are saying, though, texts appear to be working just fine. We're going to try to sort all this out with NBC's Brian Chung. Hey, Brian, good morning. Good morning. Some pretty alarming uh, issues here nationwide when it comes to the cell phone outages. So it's happening at three major carriers. It's happening at Verizon, AT&T, and also T-Mobile. AT&T appears to be the most affected with about 30,000 outages. It went down and then spiked back up alarmingly. Uh, We've also seen issues around a thousand in number at Verizon and T-Mobile. And what seems like a good sign, uh, you know, AT&T outages, they did dip. But again, we're going to see whether or not uh, after they've spiked again, 
can they really resolve those issues? Now, some of the most affected areas so far, they include San Francisco, Los Angeles, Houston, Atlanta. So it's happening in many pockets across the country. And there have been alarming uh, reports from the San Francisco Fire Department that uh, they can't get 911 calls. So this Mm. is really impacting some emergency services. We don't know what the reason is for the outage. Uh, The San Francisco Fire Department is saying in some cases you should try to use a landline. And we reach out to all of the companies for comment. We have not heard back since. I mean, what's interesting is that it's more than one carrier. So, I mean, there's a range of possibilities, I suppose. And we just don't know yet what happened here. Right. Like, is it something that could be hacking related? Is it something that could be weather related, satellite related? We don't know at the moment. We're trying to get more information. but We have not heard back yet. But it's affecting big cities right now. That's where you're getting the most reports from. Yeah. Major and cities. even anecdotally, I mean, even this morning, we've heard of some of our own colleagues having mm-hmm. issues reaching some of us by, by cell phone. But again, uh, this is happening. It's still happening. We're, we're trying to see how interesting also that it's nationwide there's not one region affected yeah and nothing from the carriers you said they haven't made any comment as to what's going on they have not no but again we've been hearing of issues in south carolina in new york city as well so uh, again it was it it seemed like at&t was able to make the number go down but then it spiked back up again so again it's just we're not out of the woods yet all right stay on it brian thank Thank you you. all right we're going to turn now to the impact of that controversial court ruling in alabama which declared that frozen embryos are children under the law without exception. The state's largest medical center is now pausing in vitro fertilization treatments, IVF, while it researches the potential impact of that decision. The issue is quickly becoming a major topic on the campaign trail. Republican Nikki Haley weighing into NBC News and saying, quote, embryos to me are babies. And prospective parents have a lot of questions on what happens next whether other states could follow suit. We've got it all covered. We'll start with NBC's senior legal correspondent, Laura Jarrett. Laura, good morning. Hey, Savannah, good morning to you. This Alabama court decision had been flying under the radar for quite a while. It's now reverberating loudly, running headfirst into how fertility treatments actually work in reality with an enormous cost for so many families, often financial and emotional. This morning, outcry in Alabama, the state's largest hospital stopping all IVF procedures, fearing a lawsuit after a controversial court ruling has patients angry and confused. My rage knows no bounds. The University of Alabama at Birmingham announcing it's pausing all IVF treatments, saying it's saddened as it evaluates the potential that our patients and physicians could be prosecuted criminally or face punitive damages for following the standard of care. Abby Crane, a patient at UAB, has frozen embryos she wanted to use soon. I don't know what's next. I don't know if I don't know if I need to be calling an out-of-state doctor. Not knowing is scary. That uncertainty, the result of an unprecedented ruling from the Alabama Supreme Court last week, finding people can be sued for destroying frozen embryos. The court concluding embryos on ice are no different than babies in the womb. Fertility clinics and doctors across Alabama now in legal jeopardy as frozen embryos with genetic abnormalities are routinely discarded as part of IVF before implantation, part of a process to help patients avoid miscarriages or other complications. That decision now a hot-button political issue. Nikki Haley overnight working to clear up her position after these comments to NBC's Ali Vitale. Embryos to me are babies. So I'm in those created through IVF. 
I mean, I had artificial insemination. Yeah. That's how I had my son. But when you talk about an embryo, you are talking about, to me, um, that's a life. Haley later saying overnight. I didn't say that I agreed with the Alabama ruling. Our goal is to always do what the parents want with their embryo. It is theirs. While back in Birmingham, couples now feeling the effects. Unable to carry a child because of a rare blood disorder, Megan Cole had planned to use a surrogate with an embryo implantation scheduled for this Friday. My husband and I want a child desperately. But now that we have this pathway forward um, with IVF, with surrogacy, and for it to be taken away um, potentially in Alabama is devastating for families who, you know, all they want is a child. But overnight, Cole learned her Birmingham fertility clinic canceled the appointment. You can just imagine Mm -hmm. how those parents feel Mm -hmm. right now. But Laura, so this is Alabama. But potentially, is there impact nationwide? Absolutely. It's not just Alabama. We know Florida also considering a similar law, just like Alabama, that would allow people to sue for wrongful death. Other states trying to put bills in right now that would essentially say life begins at the moment of fertilization. And the moment that you do that, that means you cannot destroy an embryo, which, as we all know, it's an essential part of how IVF works. And so that's why so many of these clinics and doctors are saying we don't want to risk getting sued. It's a civil lawsuit right now. But what the legal underpinning Mm -hmm. is that if a court is saying an embryo is a human life, Mm -hmm. Does that not open up the door potentially to criminal prosecution at some point? And that's why the hospitals are so worried. They're they're saying we don't know the full implications of it. And even if there isn't a crime on the books for that right now, they're worried that it could be. And that's where it could be going. And so they're just not willing to take the risk quite yet. So what about these families? I was just thinking about them in Alabama. They have an embryo. They are expecting this thing to to happen. So what happens with them? They're in limbo. Right. Megan Cole texted us overnight saying her appointment got canceled. And so her only options are now to try to take the embryos to another state. But that means starting the process all over again. Plus they're with frozen. A, I mean, it's a, logistically. How enormous can you do cost, that? enormous burden for the families. And so it's it, they're, they're quite angered and quite upset with all of this still in limbo. Wow. All right. Yep. Laura, thank you so much. We appreciate yep. it. Thank you. Also this morning, we are following a major development in the border battle. The White House exploring the option of using sweeping powers to launch a crackdown on illegal crossings. NBC's Garrett Haig joins us with details. Garrett, good morning. Hey, Hoda, good morning. It speaks to both the scale of the crisis at the border and the political potency of the immigration issue that the White House is now considering taking actions they had long said only Congress could to stem the flow of migrants at the border. This morning, as Republican rivals Donald Trump and Nikki Haley battle it out in South Carolina, President Biden considering a major action on one of the campaign's central issues, immigration. Biden has been under immense pressure over record numbers at the border last year, including from his potential 2024 rival on the trail in South Carolina. There's never been a border in the history of the world that's looked anything like this tragedy. It's a tragedy. And he can shut it down. All he has to do is say, close the border. We got to get our country straight. This morning, NBC News learning the president is considering a shift to crack down at the border. According to three U.S. officials with knowledge of the deliberations, the actions would make it harder for migrants to claim asylum. Migrants who didn't meet asylum standards would also be quickly deported under the policy. The president would make the change without Congress after Republicans blocked a bipartisan border bill. 
The Associated Press reporting the White House is considering using a rule that President Trump attempted to use, giving the president broad authority to prevent certain asylum seekers from entering the U.S. Biden has repeatedly criticized his predecessor's immigration policies. He'd rather weaponize this issue than actually solve it. So Republicans have to decide, who do they serve? Donald Trump or the American people? The White House saying this morning it's exploring a series of policy options, but it's not clear which one will come to pass. And adding, quote, we continue to call on Speaker Johnson and House Republicans to pass the bipartisan deal. Another factor here is basically any step the White House takes, particularly absent congressional action, will likely end up tied up in the courts, making this a legal and a political battle right in the heat of an election year. Hoda. All right, Garrett Haig on that story for us. Garrett, thank you. Russia's invasion of Ukraine is about to enter its third year. Vladimir Putin's forces are marking new advances this morning, but facing new criticism from the White House in pretty blunt terms. NBC's chief foreign correspondent Richard Engel in Ukraine for us. Hi, Richard. Good morning. Good morning, Savannah. All week we've been talking about the disputes in Congress that are holding up aid to Ukraine and how that is impacting the Ukrainian military. This is exactly what we're talking about. These are the areas that are being impacted right now. We are in the town of Chazivyar, which is in the far east of Ukraine. This is a Ukrainian town. But it is under attack by Russian troops. Russian troops are advancing in this area. They are less than one mile from the edge of this this town. Actually, you can see some of the devastation here. We are right at the edge of Chazivyar, on the safer edge. And this is probably the only safe place in this town right now for us to stand. And the State Department now says that Russia and Vladimir Putin are watching all of this, watching all of this happily, watching these holdups in Congress and its impact on Ukraine, and that it's encouraging them. Vladimir Putin. Despite more American sanctions coming and accusations of murder, President Putin appears pleased that what matters to him most is war in Ukraine is finally making progress while the U.S. Congress holds up desperately needed aid. Putin visited an aircraft factory and met with troops ahead of the two-year anniversary of the war this weekend. Long furious at his army's inability to defeat Ukraine's smaller military, Putin congratulated his defense minister for driving Ukrainian troops out of the eastern city of Avdivka this weekend, the Russian military's first advance in nearly a year. Adding, we certainly need to expand on this success. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky saying the loss highlights the need for support. It's not money, it's people, people lives. Overnight, at a political fundraiser in San Francisco, President Biden called the Russian president a, quote, crazy SOB. Warning, we always have to worry about a nuclear conflict. The Biden administration plans to unveil new sanctions against Russia this week. The sanctions will be in connection both to the two-year anniversary of the full-scale invasion of Ukraine and to Navalny's death. Supporters of Alexei Navalny, the Russian opposition leader who died in prison, have been arrested in the hundreds simply for honoring his death. Putin is tightening his grip on power ahead of a rubber stamp election next month, even dragging a Russian-American ballerina into court accusing her of treason. She allegedly donated $51 to Ukraine, according to her American employer. Her family and boyfriend are appealing for help. It's hard to enjoy anything right now, knowing I have freedom. She doesn't. 
We have been to this town several times before over the course of the past two years, and frankly, Savannah, we have never seen it this devastated. There are almost no people left in this town. It is highly militarized. Russian forces are closing in. And based on what we're seeing here, unless that aid comes and comes quickly, troops who are still defending this town are not going to be able to hold on for much longer. Savannah. All right. Richard Engel in Ukraine for us. Richard, thank you. We do have a lot more to get to, including a health scare in Florida. Officials are keeping a close eye on a measles outbreak at an elementary school with at least six confirmed cases of that highly contagious disease in less than a week. NBC's Sam Brock is on that story. Hey, Sam, good morning. Hi, Hoda. Good morning. So far, it's only been one school in this district that's been affected, and health officials have deep-cleaned classrooms and buses and changed every single air filter. But given how absurdly contagious the measles is, right now parents and public health officials are bracing for more. This morning, a small Florida elementary school remains open and vigilant after six students there tested positive for measles in less than a week. What steps is the school system taking right now to keep families safe? We've done everything we can physically to make the difference, but you know it's a highly contagious uh, disease that uh, if it's in the room for a couple hours, it stays there. Parents we spoke with are split between trusting the safeguards and worry that a highly infectious disease once thought to be eradicated in the U.S., is now in their backyard. Even though my 10-year-old is fully vaccinated, um, I'm just concerned that she will get uh, get the virus and bring it home to my babies. I think the majority of students or parents and students are still going to school, and uh, I think we're going to be, be able to get through this. At a time when parents are using exemptions, both religious and health-related, at the highest rate the CDC has ever recorded, the vaccination numbers at Manatee Bay Elementary, the center of this measles outbreak, might surprise you. We're much higher, we're closer to 97, 98 for at least uh, one measles vaccine. So we're really high in there. The level to reach herd immunity for measles is 95% for the two-dose vaccine, a figure around two-thirds of all states, including Florida, have not hit. That might explain why at least 12 states have recorded a measles case this year, from California and Arizona to New York and Ohio. Dr. Jack Orses with Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital in Broward, which saw some of the patients exposed, suspects this may not be over in South Florida. How contagious is measles? Measles is highly contagious. Uh, to give you an example, uh, you have a 90% chance of catching measles if you're in a room with someone with measles and you are susceptible to the infection, meaning you're immunocompromised or you're not unvaccinated. For parents, those dangers weighing heavily on their minds as they send their kids back to school. I know it's very contagious. Of the almost 1,100 students here at Manatee Bay, only 33 guys are unvaccinated, but they have brothers and sisters who go to other schools, and that is part of the elevated risk profile this morning. Yeah, Hold it back a to lot you. to be concerned about there. All right, Sam Brock for us there in Florida. Sam, thanks. 18 minutes after the hour, let's get our first check of the weather. Al, what you got your eye on? Hey, good morning, guys, and good morning to you. The good news is things are drying out in California. That's great. Now we've got another area of heavy showers and thunderstorms that are making their way through the Midwest. This is a fast-moving system. It's going to be bringing rain to the Appalachians and the New England snow later today, interior parts of the Northeast as well. Then tomorrow, that storm moves off the coast by the afternoon. It's a fast mover, but 
it is going to bring in much colder air in here. But in the meantime, out west, Chicago, you're going to be at 50, 40 degrees today. Dallas flirting with 80 degrees. Roanoke looking for 61. We move into tomorrow. Washington, D.C. near 60. Atlanta, 65. Tulsa, Oklahoma, 11 degrees above average at 68. And then temperatures take a bit of a dip on Saturday. Cincinnati, you're 41. But by Monday, you're near 70 degrees. Raleigh, 55 on Saturday, 71 on Monday. New York City, 36 on Saturday. We're in the mid-50s by Monday. You like that, don't you? And that's your latest weather, guys. All right, Al, thank you. Still ahead, the countdown to an historic moment today. The first U.S. moon landing in more than a half a century. Tom Costello is watching that one closely. Hey, Tom. Attention, Earthlings, it's happening today. America is landing on the moon again. It's a robotic mission, but as Hoda said, the first since Apollo. It's super cool. You're going to want to stay tuned for this. All right, and back here on Earth, a sure sign that warmer weather is on the way. Baseball is back. First spring training games today. And new rule changes in uniforms, well, they're already causing a stir. We've got it all covered. But first, on a Thursday morning, this is Today on NBC. If you ever needed to be persuaded that bad things can happen anywhere, then take a journey with us. From compelling mysteries to in-depth investigations, our Dateline episodes are available as podcasts. Follow Dateline NBC now to get new episodes every Tuesday. To listen ad-free, subscribe to Dateline Premium on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or DatelinePremium.com. Great storytelling with a twist from the True Crime Original. Join Hoda Kotb for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Well, guess what? San Diego is once again on Panda Watch. Wow. China has announced plans to send a new pair of pandas to the San Diego Zoo. This comes after the recall of nearly all the bears on loan to U.S. zoos. So now, if everything works out, the male and female pandas are expected to arrive in the States as early as the end of summer. How about that? Stay classy, San Diego. Just classy. Hi, Chanel Jones. Good morning to you guys. Yeah, happy you're here. Yeah, we've got to start this half hour with a bit of history, okay? The first U.S. moon landing in more than 50 years, and it's happening today. Mm. Yes, a private company on a NASA mission is set to touch down and then send back critical data for future manned missions. The last U.S. landing was Apollo 17 way back in 1972, also the last time astronauts walked on the moon's surface. NBC's Tom Costello covers space and is stoked. Hey, Tom, (laughs) countdown's on. 
Uh, the countdown is on. The clock is ticking. The intuitive machines moon lander scheduled to touch down on the lunar surface at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. The first mission to reach the moon since Apollo in 1972. No humans are on board. But the images and the data should be spectacular as NASA prepares to send astronauts around the moon and then landing within the next few years. Now closing in on the moon at nearly 25,000 miles per hour, a 14-foot lander named Odysseus from the Greek epic The Odyssey. And liftoff. Go SpaceX, go IM-1, and the Odysseus lunar lander. The launch just seven days ago on a SpaceX rocket from the Kennedy Space Center. Mach 1. With spectacular views of Earth as it broke free of Earth's gravitational pull, if the mission succeeds, it will be the first private company to land on the moon after other companies' recent attempts failed. And the lunar lander on board could be the first U.S. moon landing since the Apollo program ended more than 50 years ago. But the big challenge comes later today, landing near the moon's forbidding South Pole. There is no GPS at the moon, at least not today. So we have to carry our own navigation system on board, and you'll see the two pods on either side of the vehicle. The lander is built by Houston-based Intuitive Machines. On board, an Eagle camera that will jettison early to record the landing. Another camera will capture the Milky Way from the moon and six NASA experiments to gather new lunar data. It's preparing us for sending humans uh, to the lunar surface in advance of the Artemis missions. Future astronauts could one day tap into the ice water on the South Pole, but this mission timeline is short. Odysseus's solar power will last just 12 to 13 days. Unfortunately, once the sun goes down, it gets extremely cold at the moon, and the vehicle systems will most likely freeze, and that'll be the end of the first mission. It will not return. Hoping to cut down on costs, NASA has contracted with 14 private companies to send experiments to the moon. We're only beginning to understand the materials on the moon. And I think there's materials that are worth something, not only from a science and discovery standpoint, but maybe from a consumer goods standpoint. And there's something else on board. 125 miniature moon sculptures from the artist Jeff Koons, named after historical figures and potentially the first approved artwork on the moon. Now, with just hours to go, the pressure is building to stick the landing. Tom, you mentioned the astronauts are talking about tapping into the water at the south pole of the moon. So what would that mean for future missions? Yeah, this is, the, if not the holy grail, it is the mother load. Because mm. if there is ice water at the South Pole, you could use that. Presumably, you could purify it, use it as drinking water, and then use it as rocket fuel to go on to Mars. And that's a big objective. And it's not just America's objective. China is also hoping to land its astronauts on the South Pole of the moon probably by the end of the decade. So it's not just NASA and also, you know, other other private companies. We've got a geostrategic implication playing out here as well. All right. Tom Costello for us there. Tom, thanks. Coming up together again. Travis Kelsey just joined Taylor Swift down in Australia and enjoyed a special day out. We'll have all the details on Popstars. Plus, we've got Kaylee Hartung here. Baseball fans have been looking forward to this day, Kaylee. (laughs) Yeah, they absolutely have. And now it's like I hear the Beatles singing. Here comes the sun, right? As we get ready for the first pitch of spring training today. But after an expensive offseason, there's also some new frustration brewing. We'll get you ready for all the action right after this. 
We are back 740 with a sign. Warmer weather is on the way. Spring training games start today. Yes, NBC's Kaylee Hartung is here with everything you need to know for the return of baseball. Good morning to you, Kaylee. Hey, good morning, guys. This is not a drill. We are just a few hours away from the first spring training game. And while there is a ton of excitement to see baseball's biggest names back on the diamond, especially after some really big offseason moves, there are some changes to the game, throwing fans and players a major league curveball. Baseball is back, and excitement for America's pastime is hitting a fever pitch. In just a few hours, the Padres and the Dodgers leading off the spring training slate in Arizona. The division rivals match up a preview of the high-stakes season ahead, with some of the biggest names in the game making big off-season moves. L.A. dishing out more than a billion dollars to turn its roster into a super team. Japanese superstar Shohei Otani signing a record-breaking 10-year, $700 million deal to Don Dodger Blue. Five months removed from elbow surgery, Otani took batting practice for the first time this week, but he's not expected to play in today's game. Still, the spotlight is intensifying on the two-way player and two-time MVP. Certainly, everyone wants to see him on a baseball field and playing. I get that, but the main thing is to get him ready for, for opening day. On Friday, six more teams will get in on the spring training action including the defending World Series champs as the Texas Rangers face the Kansas City Royals. Yeah, you know, everybody's excited. Um, it's hard not to be. But right off the bat, Major League Baseball is facing controversy. The Players Association calling new rule changes unnecessary as the league shortens the pitch clock with runners on base from 20 to 18 seconds and decreases the number of mound visits allowed per team from 5 to 4, all in the league's ongoing effort to speed up games. Then there are new high-performance uniforms that have players and fans calling foul. Philly shortstop Trey Turner telling the Associated Press everybody hates them. The Players Association is reportedly working to resolve the jersey dilemma before the season starts. The union's executive director telling reporters anytime there's change, there's an adjustment period. In this instance, there appear to be some misses. Still with the league's biggest stars looking to heat up this spring, Fans are ready for baseball's return. It sounds like we're also looking at a big weekend ahead. What can you tell us? <laughs> yeah, we absolutely are. So after things get started today, all 30 teams are going to be back on the field this weekend. A lot of excitement there, of course. And this Dodgers-Padres game that we're talking mm -hmm. about for tonight, this is also a preview of the very first game of the regular season, which is going to happen in South Korea. Oh, they're going to open the season overseas. You know, the popularity of the game is growing worldwide, and Major League Baseball really wants fans to be able to witness that action firsthand. Absolutely. There's nothing mm -hmm. like a day at the ballpark, right? No, That's a good deal. All right. Haley, by the way, you did a great job hosting the, nine the nine yesterday yes. so sweet with your to mama that. and everybody. <laughs> Chanel made it very easy. Oh, please. And you're ready right to come in. back for more today. You're I am today? so oh, excited. Please. Yeah, today and tomorrow. And my mom will be here, too. I love it. Look forward to it. That's Rouge in the house. Exactly. Yes. Thank All you, right. Kaylee. Thanks, Kaylee. Mr. Roker, check of the weather. Hey, guys. Good morning. Well, you know, it, it has been just kind of a bust as far as winter is concerned. Well, a good portion of the country. Minneapolis, almost two feet behind where it should have snow. Cleveland, over two feet. Syracuse, five feet below where they should normally be as far as snowfall, 34 inches. Only place above average is Nashville. Uh, Minneapolis, their snowfall for the season is matches the least snowiest winter all the way back to 1930, 1931. Syracuse has had six consecutive winters below average. And because of climate change, you can see all these tan dots. These are all cities that have had 64 percent 
less snow accumulations since the 1970s. There are some blues there, but two-thirds more tan than there are blues. So, so far, winter is starting to turn into a bust all across the country. And that's your latest weather. All right, Bueller. thank you. Oh, On that note, yes. just ahead, stick around if you're a fan of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. We've got new details on a surprising spinoff to the beloved film. Uh-huh. Just ahead, guys, we love Dan and Shay's music so much. Well, now they're taking their talents and a one-of-a-kind double chair yeah. to The Voice. They're going to be here. And you know what else is coming? What? The double chair. <laughs> oh. I, should we sit in it? I was about to see say, what it's like? the you two of you should us? try it. We Let's should have try. a double chair. We're ready. I'll sing you spin. Yes. Okay. yes. <laughs> 